What is up, Arizona? Welcome to the Arizona Small Ball Podcast, where we discuss one of the hidden gems in Arizona, high school basketball. Here we cover everything small ball, and as coaches in the Valley, we understand that these guys don't get enough love or recognition. We're here to advocate for them and show them some love. We talk about scores, coaches, teams, and players all at Arizona Small Ball. Today, we got an exciting episode for you. We're going to sit down with the head coach of Gilbert Christian, Kurt Keener. We will look at his time at Gilbert Christian so far, their massive win over Valley Christian, and his thoughts on Paige in the Final Four. Coaches, this is a really, really good one. But before we jump in, check this out. We know you guys really enjoy the show, but today it only gets better. We get Coach Kurt Keener from Gilbert Christian on with us. Coach, thanks so much for coming on. We know this is a really busy time, so we appreciate you taking some time out and hopping on the show with us. Glad to be here today. Look forward to talking with you. Yeah, so I got a question for you. Has anybody ever called you Coach K? Uh, Actually, they have. And and a lot of times when I'm sending out emails and stuff to the kids just to be just to be uh, uh, quick, I'll, you know, put my name as Coach K and uh, years ago, when I had the, the luxury of coaching Shane Battier and, and he was at Duke and I would send him messages and everything, I, I'd always end it with the real Coach K or the first Coach K. Uh, <laughs> that is awesome. I, I love that. that. I love that. So, so just so you know, I'm going to call you Coach K for the remainder of the show. No problem at all. Okay. So, so first of all, I just want to congratulate you on an awesome season that you guys have been having so far. Tell me, scale of 1 to 10, how excited are your players right now? Oh, I think our kids are, are uh, pushing that 10, uh, maybe <laughs> 9 today. And, and if we're lucky to get through uh, tomorrow night's game, uh, 10, 10 on Saturday for sure. So, so before we get into talking about this awesome run your kids are having, I just really want our listeners to know who we have on the show and some of your basketball background because this is not the first time you've been in a position like this at all. Um, so, so you played basketball in high school and in college, correct? That's correct. I went to a fairly large public high school in suburban Detroit, Michigan, Ferndale high school. And then, uh, and then I went on to play division three basketball at one of the top division three, uh, schools and programs in, in Ohio, Wittenberg university, and was fortunate enough to play on two teams, one that was runner up in the national championship. And then another year. We actually won the NCAA Division Three championship, so I had had great experiences as a as a, a player. So, so coach, kind of throwing it back to those days, I got to know what was your signature move as a player? Like, like Reyes is guarding you right now, and you got to score for the fate of the universe. What move are you pulling out? Okay, I'm probably gonna probably gonna get the ball on the right wing, make a good Ooh. jab jab fake to the right, come across with my left to the left, but stop and pull up and shoot a. Shoot a mid-range jumper. Oh, okay. Ooh, I love mid-range, mid-range assassin. Forward. I like it. I love it. In the day, I had some hops, so if I could get a good two 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 foot stop, I could I could rise up and shoot. Uh, quick little story about why that was my signature move. When I was growing up in my backyard and learning to play, we had a big tree on the on the right side of the driveway, and if you tried to drive right, the the ball would hit the the asphalt was uneven where the roots of the tree were coming out. So everything had to be kind of start to the right. When you got near that tree, you better be able to go left or, or you weren't going to be able to hold the ball. So 
But, uh, but that was a long time ago. You're asking me to remember <laughs> 15 years back. I'm asking you to pull back into the memory banks a little bit. Yes, <laughs> and, and just so you know, it would not take much for you to score on Reyes. <laughs> yeah, it would not take much. <laughs> okay, so you had your playing career, which was great, and then you got into coaching. At your previous school, I think it was Detroit Country Day School, is that correct? That is correct. So, so for our listeners, Coach K had the second highest boys coach winnings in history with a record of 688 wins to 121 losses, um, winning percentage of 850. In that time, you coached your squad to nine state championships and produced four McDonald's All-Americans. That sounds like quite a run. Uh, to say the least, how was coaching basketball over in Detroit different than coaching at Gilbert Christian? Well, number one, I coached there a long, long time. I was there 35 years. But I would say uh, after the first t- wow. 10 years, it took to kind of build the program up. And then once once I had built the program up, uh, biggest difference, I would say, is probably the talent level. Um I generally had multiple division one players. Obviously when you get McDonald's all Americans, you're talking about the best of the best. Um, We we were a relatively, you know, mid-sized school, I'd say about 700. But uh, when I first got there, we were only 240. So uh, the school grew Uh, back in those days in Michigan, they allowed you to play up. So once, once we got to be somewhat successful, we always played up higher uh, and uh, it was a little different there in that you got to create your own schedule unless you were in a league. Oh, nice. So we were an independent. Yeah, we were an independent school, so we could we could create our whatever you know whatever type of schedule we we wanted to have, and so we would travel throughout awesome. throughout uh, the state of Michigan and play the best teams, and and then anywhere in the Midwest. We were restricted. We couldn't play on a national level like some schools do today. We were listed uh, or limited to just being able to play 300 miles uh, or any uh, any adjoining state. So we could go anywhere in Ohio or Indiana, Ontario or Wisconsin. Uh, but uh, sometimes we made it as far east as western Pennsylvania or as far west as the Chicago suburbs. So that that was probably the biggest nice. biggest thing. When I arrived at Gilbert Christian, the the uh, AIA had that option, and we actually, as a very small school, were playing up in the second highest division. And then uh, nice. a year or two after I got there, the AIA changed their rules and said if you were going to move up, you had to do it with your whole sport. I mean, your whole athletic program, not not just a single sport. Wow. And, oh, and okay, so, gotcha. so our, our whole program, you know, wasn't realistic for them to move up. So and I think that what that right. did is it, it uh, probably chased some of the kids that may have come to Gilbert Christian like Mitch Lightfoots and, and people like that to, to not come because we were, wow. we were a small school. And, you know, I, I tried to convince kids that, uh, that were thinking of the school that uh, there's a lot of great players in, in even in the NBA now that played at very small high schools and, and they would get a lot of their right. national exposure playing club ball and traveling and that. But uh, it's been a little, little bit more challenging to, to, to get kids that are, you know, have an option of playing at some of the bigger schools in the East Valley thinking they'll get more exposure. Yeah, for sure. So, so at what point did you coach Chris Weber and Shane Badger? I actually had both of them for their entire high school careers, both of, uh, well, wow. in the case of Weber, he, he came wow. in as a, as a ninth grader. Uh, so I had him for four years. Uh, Battier entered our school, I think, as a eighth grader, if I'm not mistaken. So, Again, I had him for all – both of them I had all four years. And uh, 
those guys were pretty talented. They they made this old coach uh, look pretty look pretty good uh, getting them the ball. So <laughs> very blessed. I, you know, most guys never have you know one of those once in a lifetime players, and, and I had within a about a six year span, I had two of them. So very very blessed. Wow. Fast forwarding, you come to Gilbert Christian, and just for our listeners, uh, you took over in the 2014-2015 season. That's correct, right? Yes. Yes. And you have been rolling ever since. In seven seasons at Gilbert Christian, your record is 147 wins to 50 losses as the head coach. That puts you at a winning percentage of 746. I'm just going to read off your seasons and win-loss records. And Reyes, trivia time. Trivia Ooh, time. let's get it. In one of these years, Coach K and his boys won it all. What year was it? Okay. 2014-2015 season, they went 25-6. and six. The 2015-2016 season, they went 21-6. and six. The 2016-2017 season, they went 25-5. and five. In 2017-2018 season, they went 21-10. and 10. 2018-2019 season, they went 21-7. and 2019-2020, 18-10. And then this year, 2021, 16-6. Uh, so if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, Gilbert Christian, Coach K, you guys beat, I'll just say, twice or no, once in the state finals. Is that correct? That is correct. Oh, that was 20... That was 2017, 2018? 2017. Yeah, it would be the so close. Yeah. <laughs> year, year uh, before. Year before. Gosh, I knew it was like around the time. I remember, you guys, I remember who you guys beat, but couldn't put the year. Dang it. That was pretty good. Hey, Ray, I, I, Coach, I told you. I thought you were going to get it. That's good. That was I thought really I good. had it. So, so to sum it all up, Coach K, you've done a great job there. And this has been a bizarre year. I know you're just like all of us coaches and just thankful to be playing right now. Uh, I want you to look back at, at this specific season besides Valley Christian, because we'll talk about them in a second. I'm so excited to talk to you about that, Coach. I was watching that game, and, oh, it was such a fun game. Um, what was your toughest game of the regular season this year besides Valley and why? I don't know if I would say a, a single game. The first week – the first week that we were allowed to play, oh, I love that. We we had four games in in that seven day, you know, between Tuesday and Tuesday. And what made it tough was not so much our opponents as we were coming off uh, two COVID ten day layoffs. So in in early December we oh, went wow. ten days uh, no practicing, came back for about a week, and then in late December, over the holidays, uh, or, or excuse me, when we came back in January, we had another ten day layoff, and we had practiced I think three days. Uh, prior to that first week and and playing three games that first week. And then, you know, the following Tuesday, again, we just physically weren't ready. We were trying to get uh, a lot of new young kids. We we graduated a lot from a year ago. We made a heck of a run last year into the semis, but we probably graduated right. 80% of our scoring and, and rebounding. So we were trying to get the returning guys into their new roles. We had some new players and getting them uh, brought into it. And we just, we just weren't ready. Uh, so I knew that right. first week was going to be real challenge, and we lost three of four, all of them very close. I mean, in every game, it came down to one possession, in, in, you know, with a minute to go. Um, but right. that's that's if I had to pick a single game later on, maybe the Winslow game. Winslow came in and 
they were a senior, a senior laden team, a very good team and uh, came into our gym and we played a, a good defensive first half. I think we held them to 19 and then they scored 20, 22 wow. or 21 in the third quarter with some great outside, wow. great outside shooting. So, so that was uh, that was a challenging game for us, and they knocked us off. Coach Winslow just plays so fast. Yes, they, they do. Yes, and and they and, oh, and three point range deep, deep, and uh, uh, usually teams don't come into our gym and shoot as well as they do, especially in that second half. And we just we had no answer for their uh, for their runs in the second half. Yeah, well, I mean that's one of the things I love about your squad so much is they're battle tested. Uh, you guys have played some really great teams this year. Push Ridge, Northwest Christian, that was a great one. Valley Christian, Winslow, Scottsdale Christian, who may I add, that was a win. Yep. Just great games all year, but none as big as the past Saturday against Valley Christian. And I was so looking forward to how you guys were going to defend Jaden DeBoer, their standout guard. You guys could have come out and played straight up, or you could have really tried to take him out of the game with the box or diamond and one. Now, I know this, but our listeners may not. Can you talk us through what your game plan was defending Jaden in the Elite Eight, and was it different than when you guys had played them in the regular yeah, season? And keep in mind, we had played him in this last regular season game. So we had played him just a – And it was a great yeah, game. It was a, it was a one-point game in our gym. We led, we led late, and, and – uh, they scored with uh, one second left in the game to win by one. So we learned a little bit from that game. A uh, number one thing we learned was you probably weren't going to stop uh, uh, Jaden DeBoer. I mean, he has such tremendous range and, and he, he plays fast and he'll pull up from, from deep. We tried in the first game to double team him anytime they did a, did a ball screen. So if they came over and screened him, we were going to double him off that screen and try to get him to, 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 uh, uh, give it up. And, and we had some success. I mean, we held him to 21, if that's, if you can call that a, a good yeah, defensive effort. Um, in the second game, we said, well, let's not double them. Let's just switch. Let's just switch the, if they screen them and, and try to keep them in front of us. And I think it probably didn't work as well on him. Uh, if you recall that second quarter, I think he made seven triples in the second quarter alone on his way to 22 points. Um, they're, they're a tough team to defend because it's not a one-man team. I mean, uh, uh, right. the other player they have, uh, Jacob Rice, is, you know, he's to me, he's a first-team yeah. All-Stater as well. And, and he, was the he was the offensive player of the year in your region. Well, right? we weren't – see, they when they realigned after the COVID hit, we weren't in the same region with them. So gotcha. we initially we were scheduled to be in the same region, and then when when a lot of the uh, the schools up north opted out of basketball, they realigned. So so uh, he he may have I don't I don't know uh, you know how their their region voted yet. I don't know if it's even been published, but uh, it would be a right. tough pick between right. those two guys, uh, uh, DeBoer and and uh, Rice, because they're both just phenomenal offensive players. One is more downtown. Uh, uh, deep, deep range, and he's a lefty, which is always troublesome. And the other's kind of a slasher, get Tricky. to the basket, create uh, that way. So um, we felt like going into the second game strategically that let's work as hard as we can at keeping uh, uh, Rice from getting to the basket, play off him, although he did shoot, made three triples in the game. Uh, sure. And then sure. – uh, just keep the pressure on and the hand in the face of, of uh, 
DeBoer knowing he was going to hit him, but then really try to limit the other people. And I think that was probably the key to the game. Uh, they had only four players score. They had nobody score who came in off their bench. So we were able to outscore their bench. Our bench outscored their bench 26 to zero. Uh, while, while their starters, obviously with those two guys uh, outscored our starters. So, so that was part of the strategy. We didn't, we didn't come up with any, any kind of gimmick. We didn't, you know, box and one him, DeBoer or, or triangle and two, just because uh, uh, Greg Hogsma, their coach is really, really good coach. And, and when you go with a gimmick defense, if, if, if a coach knows what they're doing, they're able to, to get people, uh, other people, the ball. And, and for me, I've been coaching a long time. My thing is uh, you spend all year working on different fundamentals and defensive strategies. Uh, you kind of got to go with what brought you there and, and not try to come up with some gimmick at the, you know, for one game deal. I love that. And, you know, especially with the box in one, diamond in one, as coaches, we know it's not just about taking the best player out of the game but it's about putting the other players in positions that they're not used to and hoping that they can't find an offensive flow. But that can really backfire on you, and I like what you said with that. You know, it's halftime. Jaden has about 27 at the half, um, which was probably a little demoralizing for your kids, I, I would imagine, but you guys did a much better job against him in the second half. He only had about 10, but this game got really wild at the end. And, and Valley made a big comeback. Coach K, I almost turned the game off with about four minutes left because you guys were up. I think it was 64 to 51. And they, uh, in the final two minutes, it started to get crazy. And they actually took the lead with, I think, 39 seconds left. This might be wrong, but the announcer said that you had one timeout left. Yes, at that we had one timeout. They had called a timeout prior to that to uh, – to, to set up whatever, you know, they're down one, they call us timeout, you know, in the last minute. And we made a decision at that time that if they scored and, and took the lead, we were not going to call a timeout. We were going to, we were going to go right down the floor uh, and, uh, and see if we could get our big guy, Albert Wilson, isolated in the post. Uh, they had not really been double teaming him a lot through the game. He had been in foul trouble through most of the fourth quarter. Maybe they forgot a little bit about him. But, you know, from a philosophical standpoint, yeah, yeah, I could call a timeout and try to set something up, but that also gives them an opportunity to get their defense back and set something up as well. Absolutely. Um, we, we were lucky, I think, because we really struggled against their press more. You know, they, they were putting great pressure on us, but we didn't execute very well. Uh, and I think right. when they scored to go right. up, they, they kind of took, took off the press a little bit. We were able to bring the ball up the court and, and find Wilson inside and, was almost like the the uh, the end of our first game the week before. They had the ball with the last possession and an opportunity to, to take that last shot. And and uh, Jacob Rice made a great you know drive and we doubled him and he split the double and and uh, got between for a for a tough shot. Um, Albert got the ball down low. Their kid I think kind of went for a steal and stumbled and all of a sudden Albert's wide open and makes an easy layup with six or seven eight seconds left something like that. So. Uh, that that was, you know, sometimes you can overcoach and try to make every decision. We just all this year and we played a number of close games this year. It wasn't like we weren't in that situation. Um, we right. just felt like if we if we could get it, go and 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 try to get our post player down there before they could get their help side and all of that in position, we'd be we'd be better off. And sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And, and so we were fortunate enough to, to 
get get him in the position we wanted to and made a good pass in and came away with the win. We still had to weather one more storm when I saw that uh, DeBoer had the ball coming down with six or seven seconds. And interestingly, he, he you know, went inside the three. He went to about the elbow for a shot. And again, we had two guys on him and pressuring him. And I, I'm sure at that point, he's probably exhausted. Uh, he shot so well in that first half that he may have shot his legs out out then. But, uh, you know, very, very blessed. I would say one thing about our guys. We had knocked off Valley the year before. We had played them really, really tough a week before. So we weren't intimidated by them. We weren't, we weren't afraid of them. We knew we could play with them. We just had to, to, to execute and do our thing. Yeah, and, and Coach, honestly, I thought that that was such a key point in the game because I thought it just showed your trust in your kids. Obviously, you guys had been in that situation before in the year. And, you know, Albert Wilson is a stud, Coach. He's a good, good player, and he's young. I thought he made some really mature decisions in that game. Uh, I thought that Valley didn't do as good of a job fronting the post with weak side help or consistently doubling, like you said, like they did in the previous games that you guys played them. But, yeah, I thought that was a huge, huge thing for your guys there down the stretch at the end. Well, Coach, uh, honestly, congratulations. You got a great group of kids, and I know they're excited for Paige in the Final Four. Uh, your kids all seem really, really bought yeah, in. I, I would say definitely they, they bought in. They understand their roles, uh, what we want to try to do. You know, one thing this year that when we set up the schedule uh, with the whole COVID, my AD said, well, why don't we just schedule, you know, 16, 14, 15, 16 games. And I was I was very leery about that. They said the state said we could have 20. And I said, well, we're going to lose some games. And gosh, if we, you know, if we lose one right. week, that's going to be like four or five games. So I said, let's schedule all 20 and then when we lose some, we'll still be assured of having, you know, having 15, 16 games. And as it turned out, once the season started, we didn't lose any games. I think we had, again, we had our whole COVID thing early in you know, November, December. That's when most all of our kids got it and, and quarantined and all of that. So, um, but the impact was it gave us very little practice time. And that was that what I, what I found was the most difficult thing. If I had it to do over again, you know, Hindsight is always twenty twenty. I would have tried to have fewer games and, and maybe more practice time. But but we're we're we always at Gilbert Christian. Our goal is always to be playing our best basketball come tournament time, and uh, and I and I think that that we are, uh, especially offensively. We're we're better offensively than we were early in the season. Our defense has been pretty consistent. Our offense has been up and down. So I like where we're at, and uh, uh, you know we're ready to to make that trip up north and see if we can. Uh, Keep playing one more time. You don't make it this far alone, and it takes everyone bottom, just like you said, as a team collectively. So I just have to ask, when was the moment or the game this season or this year where you felt most I would like say uh, about the eighth game of the year, we played Scottsdale Christian. And they're a rival school. We play them every year. They're very well coached. Uh, they're, they're, you know, I think they'll win the Division Two championship. Uh, and so when we played them and, and we, we played really, really good defense, we held them to their lowest total 40 points of the year. Then I knew that that would be something we could really hang our hat on uh, defensively and be in every game. Um, but I also saw that the kids in the intensity of that, of that game, that they were able to listen and carry out 
You know, we didn't have anybody that wanted to be the hero. It was like, okay, here's here's what we want to do. Here's who we want to get it to. Here's how we want to run the offense. And and they did that in a in a tightly contested, intense intense game. You know, kind of rival game. So that was, I think, at that point, I, I, I came to believe, hey, this this squad has the has the you know the talent level and the buy-in that we could we could make a run. We could go all the way. Who do you think are some of your standout players? Like, what has their impact been, like, on the team, even on the bench? Because we both know as coaches that you have your starters and you have, like, your seventh, eighth man that you're in the game and they make a great impact. But those kids on the bench, I feel like they're just as impactful on the, as, as well as the people on the floor just because, like, they can bring the energy or that spark you need for your guys on the court. So who are you guys – Well, from, you know, from a statistical standpoint and everything, Albert Wilson has been our dominant. I think he leads the 3A in double-doubles, and uh, he's a force inside uh, offensively, and uh, he's, he's our go-to guy. Um, but our, we have two small guards, two senior guards who have been role players through their time at Gilbert Christian, and we really asked them to step up, and that's uh, – uh, Aiden Hoyt and Karsten Gargan. They're not very big guys. Aiden always has the job of covering the other team's best, best uh, perimeter player, uh, regardless of size. And, and particularly guys like uh, uh, Jaden, uh, Jalen DeBoer, he's got to run around and, and try to deny them and pressure them, knowing that the guy's going to score a lot of points. But uh, he, he probably played the most minutes just because he, he's phenomenally well-conditioned and, and works super hard. Karsten Gargan is is our, our point guard, and again, he's you know five foot nine. He might weigh one hundred and thirty pounds, uh, little guy, but just the heart of a champion. He's a, a four point six or something, you know, all honor student. So high high IQ, high basketball IQ, and and he kind of uh, gets us in offense. Gets what a lot of those what they call hockey assists, the pass that leads to the next mm-hmm. one. Um, and we'll, you know, both of those guys are captains and, and have done a tremendous job for us. Uh, in our practices, our, our, our practice uniforms are gold and on one side and, and green on the other. So we call the green squad is our is our backup uh, is our, our guys that are probably I carry 15. So I would say that's my my bottom seven, if you want to call it that. Uh, and those are the guys that really have to to, to push and, and, and grind and then. I mean, if you have to go against Albert Wilson, Albert's six foot six and 240 pounds and plays physical. And so if you have to guard him every practice, you're going to get beat up. And so some of the guys we had, we had a, a couple seniors in uh, Kerrigan Lloyd and, and uh, Nigel uh, Stanbury that were really good in, in that role and, have, and, have, you know, come in to get uh, some minutes. It's not like they never play. Uh, we have a couple young guys in, in uh, Michael Gross and Spencer, uh, Franken, who who do a lot of uh, of that, uh, simulating the other team and, and and working hard off the bench and and keeping everybody focused. Um, so those those are some of the guys that 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 stand out. Um, Brad Roland is an interesting character for us. Uh, he's uh, been our sixth man all year, and then uh, because our normal starter uh, got ejected in in uh, the last game against. There was a little altercation and one of Valley's kids got ejected and one of ours got ejected. Uh, Brad had to start in the two tournament games and he just responded tremendously well. He had, he, he uh, I think he shot seven for 10 and uh, in the first game uh, in the tournament uh, and, and led us with uh, uh, 
16 points and then came back in the Valley game <clears throat> and shot seven for eight and, uh, and had 17 points. So when you get, you know, when you get a, a second post player as Albert gets double teamed, wow. then, uh, uh, Brad has been able to step up and, and, uh, and contribute some, some significant, uh, firepower in these last two games. Uh, so people, I think, you know, probably didn't have much on him in terms of scouting us. He, he didn't average big numbers, but he's really, he's really stepped up in the tournament. So I'm glad you brought that up because it's always important, like I said, and that's pretty much like what coaches preach a lot. Like, even though when you don't start or maybe you're not the sixth man, like you said, but like he was, it's always just like when you, when we put you in the game, like be ready for that moment. And it seems like that sixth man was uh, with, ready. With us, so we talk a lot about the window of opportunity. I guess been coaching a long time, and I'll tell the kids early on, you never know when the window of opportunity is going to open, and you never know how wide it's going to open. It may open up sliver, and you got to be ready to get through yeah, exactly. when that opportunity presents itself. And so, uh, between that concept and and then when you have a, a season, a long season like this, you're going to have kids that get sick, you're going to have kids that get injured, and and it gets down to next man up. You know, whatever you know, who's ever the next man up, you got to come with the idea to uh, to go and contribute. So those are those are two of the fundamental concepts in our program that we emphasize a lot, and the kids have have really responded. So, yeah, moving on now to your matchup with Paige, I'm just curious because you guys have both been in this position before. Like I said, you guys have been – like you've been in this position many times, and but Paige has too as well. You know, like the last like two years, I think they were a top team. Last year they were state runner-up. So what is your mindset right now heading into Paige? And so what are some okay. of your well, keys Well, first of all, they're a very well-coached well team. They're, they're solid defensively, and, and they, they, I think, know what they want to do offensively. They've got, they've got three seniors that have been, you know, probably in their, in their varsity program for four years, and Rob Smith, Jonah Holiday, and, of course, Stu Sandal, their big kid. Um, so, so we know that they like, like us. They, they want to run their offense through, through their big guy. Uh, uh, Sandal, um, but they but they have in in uh, uh, Rob Smith, and I'm not, I think Robert may be the son of the coach. I'm not positive of that. But, uh, you know, so you get a coach's son who's been you know running running the pro running the ship so to speak for four years. You know, he's not going to make a whole lot of mistakes, and he's going to want the ball at the end of the game and, and make make uh, uh, you know good decisions and, and make plays. Um, they have been in the tournament for four years. They, you know, for two years, they made it to the second round. Last year, like us, they made it to the semis. I think they lost yeah. to Sabino and we lost to uh, Queen yeah. Creek. So it's two teams that have knocked on the door. And now both of them want to have that opportunity to, to get to the championship game. Uh, there's nobody in our program that was with us uh, when, we, when we won the championship back in 2017. So this is new experience. Um, so I would say the their guys they understand their roles. Uh, they've got a they've got a, a rim protector and a and a guy that's that's smart keeps it high down inside. He's six foot ten, um, and yet they've got some guys that also if you if you go and try to double down and 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 uh, you know really make things difficult surround surround Sandal. Uh, Rob Smith's going to knock it down. Jonah Holiday uh, can shoot well from the out on the perimeter. Uh, so that's that's what's gonna you know there's not you got to kind of pick your poison what you're gonna try to take away. You know, the other thing that I think is you know a exactly. very important thing is they're playing at home. Uh, they're playing at home. We've got to make a long trip. It's higher elevation. They're gonna have a you know I think they can sell 800 tickets to their you know 3,000 seat arena 
and they'll have probably 700 and, you know, 75 of those 800 will be page fans. And we'll have a few of our parents that will, will make the trip up. I'll be surprised if any of our students uh, get up there. Um, so we've got to overcome that, but Hey, we've been on the road uh, this whole, you know, the first two games of the tournament and, uh, and we'll, you know, go up there on the road and, and, and see if we can, uh, quiet the crowd. Hopefully we can get off to a good start and, and, and control the tempo. That's something we talked about uh, last episode, actually, with me and Coach Lua, that we were talking about the home court advantage and how that plays in effect. So, like, what are your thoughts on the whole AIA higher C game? You know, I, I think that, that I'm in favor of it. You work all, you work all season to, to get, to get that, those kind of higher seeds. And it's based on, on, you know, playing a good schedule, winning games. Uh, we, we, we were unfortunate, and then we lost three games real early that uh, we thought we should have won. And then uh, when we we maybe had a had a chance to move into the top four or five, we we dropped our last two home our last two games of the regular season. So I told the kids we you know we had nobody to blame. It wasn't like uh, we did everything we could, and you know other people uh, were better. We we didn't win the games that we needed to win to get the seating. So now now that's just uh, another obstacle. Uh, that we have to overcome. Our, our motto this year is climb the mountain. Uh, and so when you when you go mountain climbing, sometimes uh, it's nice clear day and everything goes well. And sometimes a storm rolls in or there's you know ice or or uh, things like that uh, that you, obstacles you have to overcome. So uh, going on the road, I, I think probably this year because the crowds are more limited, it's not it's not as big a big a difference like at Valley. I think we had as many fans as Valley did. If it had been other, you know, if it had been a normal year, they would have they would have packed the place. And and uh, uh, I'm not sure that uh, you would have been able to hear our people. So uh, I'm okay with the system that they have. I, I understand it with COVID and everything. A lot of things are different this year, and you just have to deal with it, not not make it an excuse. And um, we'll see how we do when we hit the road. Back to Paige and all that, and the matchup with your bigs. Like I said, you guys do have a six-six big Albert Wilson, who is currently averaging a double-double, eighteen and ten a game. How do you feel Albert matches up with? I think uh, he does well. It's going to be kind of a, a matchup of Albert's physical strength, and can he get him off his feet and get into his body and and, and score? Albert's also capable of stepping outside. He he can he can hit anywhere from threes. He doesn't shoot a lot of threes, but he's very good around the foul line. Um, so, so I like the matchup. I think what it may come down to is, is, uh, which of the guys can stay in the game and not get in foul trouble. So if, if, uh, Paige yeah, and, exactly. uh, Sandal is able to get Al in foul trouble because they'll be guarding each other. I'm sure. Then, uh, then that's going to hurt us. I think we might have a little bit more depth than, than Paige. Uh, we have a couple other kids, obviously nobody, the talent of, of uh, Albert. Um, but, uh, that, that, that's going to be key is who, who stays poised and, and doesn't get into foul trouble. And if they don't, you know, it could be a, a case where they kind of nullify each other. If they both hit their averages right around 20 and 10, then it's going to be who's your second, third guys that are going to step up to be scores. So that, that, that could be, a, a, a they cancel each other out and then, and then who else is going to be the impact players. <laughs> no, I no, I appreciate that, Coach. I really do. Yeah. Great knowledge. I appreciate that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, Coach, that's great. And, you know, for for people like us, you know, just so you know, the majority of our listeners, their age range is 22 to about 38. And the majority are coaches. So 
for for us hearing that kind of stuff that's huge so just want to say a huge shout out to you I'm really excited to watch your offense and Paige's offense because your offenses, as far as continuity-wise, are quite similar, except y'all's, after that UCLA cut down to the block, you guys send that wing on ball screen and then roll, and Paige kind of dives there big to the block, and it'll be kind of fun to watch that, and I was thinking the exact same thing that you said, that I think it's going to be a story right. of who can stay out of fouls. Yeah, we want to we we put Stuart Sandal in as um, many pick-and-rolls as possible. We want him to have to come away from the front of the rim and, and, and guard guards and, and, and make decisions. And Hey, Hey, he may be up to it. He's a senior. He's probably seen it all. Uh, but that's, that's what we want, we want to do. And then if we're going to get into to post-ups, maybe we can take advantage of some of their smaller players and, and post them up. So that's, that's the strategy. We'll find out how, how well we execute come tomorrow night. Just a side note, coach. Page, especially with their yes. big, yep. doubles on ball screens. So yep. we've been involved, we've been practicing really against that. So we'll see. Uh, can we can we not turn the ball over? That's been that's been our Achilles heel all year. As we turn the ball over a lot, and so if we can protect the ball and keep keep turnovers down down near single digits or or the you know ten to twelve, I I think we 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 score well enough in our offense. If we get a shot up every time, we're going to be in good shape. Coach, I love that. I'm so excited for this matchup. You guys are going to kill it. Um, Coach K, thanks so much for joining us. Congratulations on a great season. Good luck in the Final Four. Jeff and Reyes, thank you for having me on. I love what you're doing. Keep it up. And uh, if I can be of any help down the road at all, you know know how to reach me. Everybody, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, Thanks for tuning in for Coach's Corner. A huge shout-out to Coach K for hanging out with us for a little bit.